Under Review Podcast with Jake Hackinson and Anthony Leo starts right now. This is the Under Review Podcast. You know the deal. I'm Hack. He's Leo. Real quick before we start things off today, Leo, I just got a new job. What job did you get this time? Well, it goes a little bit like this. You know Matt Harvey's issue going to the bathroom and his whole bladder thing? Well, someone's got to be his bathroom monitor. And listen, I applied and I got the job. I'm going to be Matt Harvey's bathroom attendant. His bathroom attendant. You're gonna follow Monitor, to attendant, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I mean, why not? Guy needs to, you know, make sure he goes to the bathroom. He needs to make sure he doesn't hold it in for too long. And we're, we're going to chart it. We're going to make sure that everything's on time, you know, goes four or five times a day, whatever the, you know, the daily amount is. We'll listen to Ray Ramirez, you know, the Mets' all-time great trainer. What a, a terrific trainer that he is. We're going to go based on his, you know, steps. Whatever he wants us to do, we're going to fulfill that need. He has a great track record, uh, from what I've been told. I've, I've heard he has a great track record of uh, diagnosing injuries. Well, we don't want to get too deep into the Ray Ramirez stuff, but he has had some issues in the past. Names come up. Jose Reyes with his hamstring issues. Uh, we'll see how the David Wright situation plays out. But listen, Ray Ramirez, a guy that had to work, he worked from the bottom up. He had to spend his time in the minor leagues. The guy spent nine years in the minor leagues with the with several different teams. He was in the farm systems, as you would say, the, the old trainer farm system. Had to work his way up. Now he's been in the pros, been working with the Mets for, for 12 seasons now with the Mets. I mean, this is a guy that has reached the prime of his career. He's, he's looking for a big, you know, long-term deal now. So he's looking for Bryce Harper money. Yeah, he's, he's looking for that Bryce Harper kind of money. Guy, I think he probably doesn't deserve it, but that's all right. We're going to hopefully get it for him. I'm sure he has an agent of some sorts. Maybe one day the old Hack and Leo firm can open up and we would be you know, very proud to represent the, the Ramirez family, anyone that you know he wants to get us in here with. Before we jump into our season previews, that's what we're going to do for the first half today. I just had a small fact that I, that I saw. I mean, I had known this, but it still is a little bit mind-boggling to me. Do you know Jose Batista is 35 years old? Yes, he is 35 years old, and he's looking for a monster deal from the Blue Jays for, you know, five, six years. And that's why he's not getting the deal he wants. You know, we saw the whole thing, you know, come out earlier in the year before, uh, you know, spring training started. But, you know, he requested for five, six years for some crazy number. And now the Blue Jays are saying they're more comfortable giving him like a Cespedes type deal, you know, a three for 75 type thing because, you know, he is 35. People don't I mean, it's hard that. to believe. Yeah, he's he's 35, man. He's up there. I mean, you don't look 35. You don't hit like he's 35. But, you know, a lot of speculation with that, too, going back a couple years, you know. Was he, is he on anything? You know, obviously, there's no proving anything for that. But, yeah, he's 35. It's tough to believe. And on that note, we'll jump right into our – we're going to do some over-unders today. We're going to do our season preview, you know, our picks of who's going to win the division or all the divisions, should I say. And then for the second half today – of course, the Final Four, March Madness, that comes up this weekend. And Monday night, of course, is the big game, Jim Nance on the call, live from Houston. So let's jump right into the show. Let's get it started. All right, so yeah, on today's show, we want to talk about the division winners for the season coming up, and as well as some over-unders like we were talking about before. Um, let's just start 
and we'll go in chronological order. Uh, we'll start in the American League. We'll go in the AL East. Um, for, for the AL East for this coming up season, I, know it, I think it's going to be a really good, tough division. A lot of good teams in that division. Maybe Tampa, you know, maybe towards the bottom with Baltimore. But um, I see the Red Sox winning this division, you know, with the big addition of David Price and plus Kimbrell in the back end. I think the Red Sox will come away with this division. I, I tend to agree with you just because I'll play devil's advocate in this situation. I think Toronto's hitters are extremely talented, and I don't really know if I trust the Red Sox overall. So just in this case, I think I'll take Toronto. But in, in my opinion, it could be a toss-up. And I think a lot of people sleep on, on the Tampa Bay Rays. Chris Archer and that pitching staff, very, very good. Obviously, Evan Longoria down there. He's still a talented third baseman and, and a terrific hitter. So the AL East is one of the strongest divisions in all of baseball. Plus, we didn't even talk about the Yankees. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough division. I mean, the Yankees put their you know, crazy bullpen, the three-headed monster that they put together. you got the Baltimore Orioles, who have added so much power to that lineup, you know, between Pedro Alvarez, Chris Davis, and then you got the Blue Jays, who are an offensive machine. And then, you like you said, with the Rays, you know, their, their pitching staff is, is really good. And anytime you have a great pitching staff, you're going to be in it. And the Red Sox, they have a bunch of nice young talent, and uh, they added some, you know, some pitching help. So it's going to be a, a tough division. I don't think anyone's going to be, you know, like terrible as like in like Phillies or like Braves terrible. So I think it's going to be a really tough division. But moving I'm on. I'm with you. I'm with you in that. Yeah, I think like we both agree on that, that it's going to be a great division. But moving on, we're going to go to the AL Central. Now, this is a division that every year is pretty competitive. Um, every, every, for some reason, every year it seems that, you know, the over-unders come out and people just keep sleeping on the Royals, as in the Royals are just going to drop to the bottom of the division. And we've seen what they've done the past two years. And I, I don't see any any difference until they're, you know, people have proven wrong and that, you know, they, they get knocked off. I, I think they're going to win the division again. You know, baseball perspective here has them at 75 wins, which I don't see how that's happening. I see them winning a lot more than 75 games. They have Cleveland winning the division at 91. But uh, I'm going to take Kansas City again. I think I think they're going to win the division again. Uh, I'm going to be with you on this one. I, I cannot disagree. Obviously, you have a team that's made the World Series two times in a row. They won last year. Until they start the season, they have to be the, the preseason favorites to me. Yeah, they have to be the preseason favorites. I mean, there's other teams in the division that I think improved a lot. I mean, Detroit, um, they added a lot. Added Justin Upton, so that's a big bat to add to their lineup. Um, the Twins, they, you know, they always Zimmer, fight. Zimmer. Yes, like, of course, yes. Zimmerman also going to Detroit. The Twins, like I was just talking about, they, they always scrap and fight their way, and they're a competitive team. Uh, the White Sox added Todd Frazier. I mean, the Indians have a great young pitching staff, so this is another division that's going to be very tough. It's, you know, it, there's no you know easy opponents in this division. So I, I think the Kansas City Royals will come out on top. Um, they did add Ian Kennedy to their rotation, made a couple other moves, but um, I just see that the Kansas City, you know, they're going to be able to, to win the division just because they're relentless. We saw them in the World Series. They they don't give in. I agree with that. We move on now to the AL West where you have the Houston Astros, a team that looks like they have a lot of young star power, a team that could be very, very dangerous moving on into the postseason for, for this upcoming MLB season. I'm going to take the Astros with this one. I know you're going to take the Astros as well. I happen to think the Rangers are going to make this a two-team battle for that spot out of the West. I think the Astros, just led by Carlos Correa, they're just too good. Yeah, the Astros are a great team. They're very young. 
you know they they they're they're a scrappy team too like you said Correa you got Jose Altuve on that team as well and then you got not to mention you know don't forget the Cy Young you got AL Cy Young Dallas Keuchel who I saw first you know in first person you know in the, the AL wild card game last season against the Yankees he was phenomenal and people he's been doing this spring has been phenomenal as well so he's coming in you know ready for this season so I don't see how anyone you know takes down the Astros in the division but maybe Texas Texas had a pretty good year last year as well um any other teams in the division really don't scare me and Los Angeles the Angels are great but they have you know they have poles they have trap but other than that their lineup's very weak Seattle's always a mess and until they prove me wrong I'm never going to take them and Oakland is just Oakland. They just scrap and fight to the end, but they never come out, you know, and they never really are there at the end. But, you know, they sometimes they do surprise us. But I'm going to agree with you, like you said, and we're both going to take Houston. But moving on to the National League now, um, the NL East, the home of the New York Mets. Let me, Mets, have? baby. Let's go Mets. That's right. So Ray Ramirez. Ray Ramirez, as we talked about earlier. But Quick note on Ray Ramirez. He actually represented the Mets and the NL East, uh, the NL, actually, should I say, in the 2013 All-Star game that took place at City Field. So Ray Ramirez was an All-Star. Wonderful note. Um, Go yes. Reds. So the Mets, the Nationals, Marlins, Braves, and Phillies. This is a division where you got two teams clearly ahead of the others. The Marlins, the Braves, the Phillies are going to be towards the bottom with the Phillies at the complete bottom, most likely. They're a team that's basically in, like, tank mode. Um, I think I'm picking the Mets to win the division just because they have the best pitching staff in baseball. That that staff is incredible. Um, you know, hopefully everyone can stay healthy the whole year. And you know, four out of the five days, and even if you know if Bartolo's on, you got five out of five where you, you don't have an easy matchup. You know, it, teams are going to come in and say, oh, there's, there's just no break. You know, you're getting flamethrower after flamethrower. You're getting, you know, and then you're going to get Wheeler back. Plus, they added you know some offensive weapons and they and they helped out the bullpen. So they're projected for 90 wins. Uh, I like where that's at. I mean, they, maybe they get you know one or two more there, but I, I'm going to pick the Mets to win the division. Well, obviously, I'm a little bit biased in this situation because I'm a Mets fan. You gave all the positives to the Mets. I'll, I'll tell you, I think the Nationals are going to be right with the Mets until the very end. And the Mets, yes, they brought back Cespedes, which a lot of Mets fans, including myself, didn't think was going to happen. The pitching staff is phenomenal as long as everyone stays healthy. Plus, come July 1st or whenever he's ready to go, Zach Wheeler comes back, so then you have six guys that can come out and be starting pitchers. Bartolo Colon, you know, he's never aging. The guy's 43 now. But the Mets have some weaknesses. You look at the the bullpen, to me, is the biggest weepen, uh, the biggest weakness. Antonio Bissardo was supposed to come in and be a lefty that could get guys out. He was just brutal to watch in spring training. Their their bullpen is a big is a big issue to me. I mean, yeah, you need a good bullpen in, in, in today's game. You, you see it in the playoffs. Without a good bullpen, you really can't go far. And, you know, last year the Mets did have a pretty decent pen. I mean, familiar at the back end. You know, Clippard was up and down here and there. I know we were all terrified. He's gone now. He's gone now, but, you know, this is just based off of what we saw last year. But, you know, coming up for this this season, you know, with now Clippard gone, you bring in, like you said, Bastardo, and you got, got these other guys in there now. Addison Reed, we hadn't even touched on Addison Reed, and – his season last year, he was good in the playoffs, but who who really knows exactly what you can expect from that kind of a guy? Yeah, I mean, like you, you don't know what you're gonna what you're gonna get, but you know that's why you know this MLB season it, it's so long, you know things happen, but in the end, you know when it gets down when it comes time, I think the Nationals and the Mets are gonna be right there fighting to the end. You know these teams are just both, they're both great teams, both with great starting rotations, so I think that's you know how the, the NL East is gonna pan out. But, Shout out to Dusty Baker, baby. 
Go Dusty. That's right. Go Dusty. And uh, Bryce Harper and his flow there, whatever he's got going on. Maybe we'll oh, have another... Yeah. Uh, I mean, Yankee slugger Bryce Harper. Isn't that what you mean? That's right. In a few years, hopefully, he'll be here. In the first $500 million contract, I'm looking forward to... Keep holding on, baby. Keep praying for that. We'll see. But It's like I'm praying for John Tavares to get a winger to play alongside him, but... You know, we don't talk hockey on here, so we, we move on to more important things. Move on to more important things like the uh, NL Central. So, in the NL Central, you got the Chicago Cubs, who were knocked out in last season by the New York Mets, of course. Mets! Yes, the Mets. The Mets will never, ever, you know, go down now as they've now come to life in New York. But the Chicago Cubs, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Pirates, the Brewers, and the Reds, in the NL Central. This division last year was bloated between the Pirates, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. These were three excellent, excellent teams. And this year, I don't see any different. I see the Cubs are going to win this division. They've added so much this offseason. They've done a great job. They spent a lot of money. They brought in Zobris. They brought in Hayward. They already have, a, you know, their lineup is just fantastic. Pitching-wise, you know, they got Arietta there. and got some other nice pieces, some nice veterans. And just I think that tops it off is, is Joe Madden. Joe Madden is an incredible manager. I don't see it changing any, you know, any way. I think the Cubs are going to win this division. I agree with you in this one. I think the Cubs will win this division. I, until I see it happen, you know, you always have a chance for the Cardinals to do it. But the moves, as you said, bringing in Hayward and Zobrist during the offseason, the Cubs are the team to beat as long as their pitching holds up. But with all the young hitters they have on that team playing in Wrigley Field, they should be hitting bomb after bomb. The Cardinals will be good, and they'll definitely make the playoffs. But there's no chance that I see them beating the Cubs for the for the you know the division spot. Yeah, I just think the Cardinals have enough pitching. Is that that's the thing? I think that you know the Cubs just stand out and and with that offense, and I don't think the, the Cardinals will be able to contain them enough when it comes to, you know comes down to it. Um, the Pirates are really good as well. I like what they have in Garrett Cole and their pitching staff. You know they have a pretty good lineup, but I don't think they're just you know the, the lineup for the Cubs. Like it just keeps going back to it. It just stands out. You know one through eight in that in that Cubs lineup is. It's very, very talented. Very, very talented. You know, it's a, you're not really going to find a better lineup in, maybe in baseball at this point with what they have going on there. So uh, I like what Joe Madden's doing over there. He's building a, a contender year after year, and we know he's the one of the better managers in baseball. Um, moving on, the NL West. This is a division where you got two teams, as you know, the Padres and the Rockies year after year. They're at the bottom. I don't see it changing. They're going to stay at the bottom. And you got the Diamondbacks, who significantly improved. I think a lot of people are going to be sleeping on them this year. Um, they added a lot of people. Um, they're going to be pretty good, I think. Uh, you got the Giants, who, you know, it isn't even here, so watch out. It isn't even here. This is usually when they come up from the from the depths, and they come out, and they surprise us, and they come back, and they win another World Series because it isn't even here. And you got the Dodgers, but the Dodgers lost a 20-game winner in Zach Greinke. So that's, uh, that's, another, that's a lot of games to account for. Their rotation is is iffy after Kershaw, so we'll see what they do. But I think for me, I think I'm gonna pick the Giants to win this division, and I'm gonna pick the Diamondbacks to fall right behind, and the Dodgers to fall behind them. So I'm gonna go Giants, D-backs, and then Dodgers, and then like I said, the Padres and the Rockies at the bottom. Well, I'm gonna disagree with you on this one. I'm gonna have the Dodgers win the division. Yes, I know that they lost Grinky, but they also did replace him with Scott Casimir, who is definitely not the same you know level of talent that Grinky is, but he comes in there and he's a veteran pitcher who knows how to win games. Plus, I like the Dodgers lineup. The Giants, I do think, will be a very close second. I'm not going to go that high on Arizona just yet. I do like the moves they made. They brought in Grinky. They brought in Shelby Miller. 
But until they prove to me that they can, you know, they can come out and win, I'm just not going to take them to beat teams like the Giants, who have won multiple World Series, and the Dodgers, who have been a talented team for the last several years. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what the Diamondbacks did in the offseason. I like the moves they made. I mean, they made some splashy moves, but I, I don't see how the, you know, I think they'll they'll be they're pretty good. But the Dodgers don't, you know, on, on paper they look great. But without Granky into that, and I just I think that their rotation is is isn't there besides Kershaw, and I think they're going to struggle with their pitching. But they might be able to, you know, do make up for that when they're off with their offense. So we'll see how the season pans out. You know, it's a long, long season. People make moves at the deadline. So when it comes down to it, we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, let's uh let's also pick some of the wild card teams maybe that we want to have for um the American League and the National League. You know, now that we have this uh, do or die one game wild card that I'm a uh, not a fan of it all, but you know it's good for TV ratings, I guess. Um, so for the AL, I think the wild card teams for me, I think you might you know, both come out of the East. Maybe the Rangers get in there from the West because if I pick the Astros to win the West, but um, I think the Yankees are going to be one of them, and I think the other team might be the Blue Jays because I, I picked the Red Sox to win the division, so maybe three teams come out of the East. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. I do think that that the Rangers are really good, but you look at that Yankees bullpen and what they have, and when they play in Yankee Stadium with the lineup that they have, I took uh, Toronto to win that division. So I'm going to take the Yankees and the Red Sox both out of the AL East to make it as wild card teams. Yeah, that's probably a, you know we both agree pretty much closer on that. You know, I think the the East, like we said, is going to be a tough division. So I, you know, if you get three teams out of the, the division, you know, that that'll show. You know, how competitive the division was um, all year long. So we'll see how that pans out. Uh, for the National League, um, I think, uh, you know, with the, with the Mets winning the division in the East, I think the Nationals have to still get in somehow. So I'll pick the Nationals as one wild card team. And then I'm going to go back to the to the Central. You know, if the Cubs win the division, um, I'll take the Pirates, you know, to hop in as a, as a wild card team as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Nationals as well. I think the Cardinals will, will probably make it if the Cubs win the division. Yeah, so I think that's pretty safe to say for our wild card teams. But um, let's see if we can hop into just some specific teams that we you know wanted to pan out here for um, over unders, and we'll see what we think about them. If we want to go, you know, agree with them, or if we think you know if they're going to be a little over on the win total projected or a little under. So Kansas City Royals on Baseball Prospectus is listed at seventy five wins. Seventy five wins, hack. That's that can't be right. Uh, there's no chance that's right, and I'm sure that's nowhere near what Vegas has it set as. Uh, we could find that out, but if if I was a betting person, I would be taking Kansas City with the over in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think anyone would take the over on 75 for the Royals. I don't even know how they come up with 75. I found this website based off of an ESPN article that someone wrote, as well as they mixed it in with a fan graphs. So um, 75 wins, it's just not realistic. I think they're going to win a lot more than that. That division's really good. But the Royals are not going to come in last place in the division with 75 wins. They're going to have more towards, you know, maybe between 85 and 90 with ease probably. Um, the Mets projected for 91 wins. Um, I think that's right about right. I mean, they could be anywhere between, I think, you know, the 88-92 range, like somewhere in that. I think the East is going to have to have an, uh, you know, a 90-plus you know, game winner come out of that division because with, with the Nationals in there as well. So between the Nationals and the Mets, I think, you know, 91 wins for the Mets is, is about right. I think for the Mets, that's just a little bit high. I don't know if the Mets will reach 91 wins. I think 
they're pretty much locked in for the high 80s, though. And that might be good enough. And if they get pushed by the Nationals or their their lineup starts to really perform, if David Wright comes in there and plays like he's supposed to, the bullpen's no issue, then I could see them winning over 90 games. Yeah, now like we just touched on with the Nationals and also in the division, the Nats are projected for 87 wins. So between the, like we just talked about, Mets and the Nats, I mean, if the Nats are at 87, um, I could see them right around there. I, like I said, I think they're going to take it the wild card spot in the division. So anywhere if, you know, between, you know, 84 and maybe 88, somewhere in there gets you a wild card spot. But the National League is really tough with the NL Central being a very, you know, stacked division. So for the Nats to get in the playoffs, like I said, I think they're going to need closer to the uh, 88 win mark. I, I agree with you on that one, and I think that it's going to be a division that's decided by one or two games. It's going to come down to the you know the last weekend of the season. It's going to be a great season to watch if you're a fan of the NL East. Yeah, really looking forward to it. You know, the season does open up on Sunday night. We're going to have the rematch of the Mets in Kansas City. It's going to be a little bit of a sting for Mets fans to watch Kansas Harvey City. Day, though. It's Harvey Day. It is Harvey Day. We can, we, can, we can officially have Harvey Day back, and we can officially have Tanaka Tuesday back if you're a Yankee fan. But until Tanaka Tuesday becomes no more and Tanaka blows out his elbow, which is only a matter of time. Anyways, um, Giants projected for only 85 wins. I think they're going to get a little more than that. I, I think the Giants are a team that people sleep on. I think that um, this season, they, with the additions of Jeff Samarja, Johnny Cueto, they added Denard Spin. Remember, it's an even year. So if we continue the trend, they might be in the World Series. I'll take the over on that one as well. I think that they, they dealt with a lot of difficult injuries last year and that with the additions that they were able to bring in, I'll give them a little bit more than 85 wins, maybe 87 wins, 88. Yeah, that seems about right. I mean, the Giants are going to be a good team. That division's a little tough. Like you said, there's you know, the three teams in that division towards the top. But 85, is a little. I think it would be a little more than that. Um, also in that division, the Diamondbacks projected for 78 wins. Now we talked about it earlier with the, a lot of the additions. They spent tons on Zach Granke. You know they made the addition of Shelby Miller as well, and then they went out and got Gene Segura, young and upcoming shortstop from the Brewers. And then they already have Adam Pollock and Paul Goldschmidt. I think a lot of people forget about them because you know they are in Arizona. They're you know a team that no one really talks about, but I think this year they're going to come on the map a little bit and people will start talking about them a little more. Um, 78 between is probably right about right, but if I think I think they'll get around maybe 84 something like that, but 78 is like a, a, is a good number maybe. I'm with you on that. I think they get the over, and actually you were spot on. Uh, after we we discussed earlier in the day that the Royals had what was it a 75 games according to them they were going to win 75 games. I pulled up the Vegas odds, and on this website according to Vegas they give Arizona 84 and a half as the over under. So you were pretty much spot on. For, for that prediction. And according to this site, uh, they give the Royals a chance to win, according to this site, 87 games this year, which is that seems about more right. than, a lot more than what was said on the other site, that we were on Baseball Prospectus. Yeah, 75 from Baseball Prospectus is definitely not right. 87 from Vegas is definitely more accurate. But that's our over-unders for the year. Um, we'll, we'll see how those turn out. Obviously, the season opens up on Sunday, and we're looking forward to the MLB season starting. I know I'm going to be, you know, hyped up. I'm ready for Monday. I'll be going to Yankees opening day. I'm going to be going to two games in the opening week, and then I'm sure when you get back here up in New York, we'll be going to a lot of Met games this season. So we're looking forward to it. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. 
The Gustbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GustBuster.com and get your GustBuster today. Welcome back. The Final Four is upon us. Saturday night is the Final Four of the two games. And then Monday night, the championship game, Houston, Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Should be a good time. Two good games, four very good teams, three teams that I guess a lot of people expected to make. And then you obviously you look at Syracuse as that fourth team that probably didn't even deserve to make the tournament, in all honesty. A team that snuck into the tournament, and they've just surprised and they've wowed us since they've made it in. So, yeah, Syracuse is a team that did make the tournament. But like you said, they're a team that maybe, you know, where it was a fringe team, and they were on the bubble, and then they ended up did, you know, getting in the tournament. But and a lot of people are calling them the Cinderella team of the tournament. And I can't really do that. I can't really call them a Cinderella team, you know. They're a team that's a top program, Syracuse. They have been for you know, a lot of years now. And, you know, you have a Hall of Fame head coach in Jim Beheim, who, you know, also happens to coach as part of uh, Team USA. So anytime you have, you know, your program like that, you know, I really can't call you the Cinderella team. Let's say Middle Tennessee happened to advance this far. I would call them the Cinderella team. I agree with that. I don't think Syracuse is a Cinderella team. When you look at the fact that, as you mentioned, they have they have a Hall of Fame coach and a guy that missed the beginning part of the season, he was suspended for some of those games. Plus, they play in the ACC, which is the best conference in all of basketball. When you look at six of the Elite Eight teams were ACC teams, no doubt in my mind that it's the best conference of basketball. Yes, they lost some tough games, but they had to play some of the tougher opponents. I don't think they're a Cinderella team. I just think they're a team that just didn't deserve to make it. I think teams like Monmouth that played a large portion of their schedule on the road or in uh, neutral site games and beat good teams like a Notre Dame, a team that made it to the Elite Eight. Uh, they beat teams out out west, a, a USC team, which was good. So I don't think that Syracuse deserved to make it over Monmouth. Either way, Syracuse made it, and using that 2-3 zone that they were on, that patented 2-3 zone, they managed to just stifle teams defensively, and they scored just enough with the help of Michael Binaget, uh, Tyler Lydon, the freshman has come in. He's played strong defensive minutes. And obviously, of course, throughout the course of this tournament, Malachi Richardson's had an amazing run, and he's really bolstered his draft status if he decides that he wants to leave and go into the NBA this upcoming season. Yeah, and you speak about you know the NBA and the top picks that are coming out. You know, Malachi Richardson's a guy that throughout this tournament has significantly improved his you know draft status and where he may be picked in the draft. You know, he's had a fantastic tournament, so that ha- that'll definitely help him. But let me ask you this. How much do you think the Syracuse zone is going to affect North Carolina? Um, probably not too much. The fact that they play against each other every year. Roy Williams, another Hall of Fame coach, has seen the 2-3 zone. He knows what to expect. This is a North Carolina team that is very, very talented, whether it's with their guards or with guys that play down low on the inside. Of course, you look, they have... Bryce Johnson, who's going to be a, a top pick in the upcoming draft, and he's phenomenal. Marcus Page is a senior guard. He knows what he's doing. So I don't think the zone will have that big of an effect, and that's why I think Vegas has set the line at somewhere around eight or nine points for this game. 
I think North Carolina is the best team remaining. They're the team I picked to win the tournament, so I'm still feeling positive about them. I think the zone will have a little effect, but not too much. Yeah, I mean, North Carolina is just such a good team. I don't think it's really going to do too much to them, too much of an effect. You know, we also have to remember that North Carolina, I think you touched on a little bit, you know, they have Bryce Johnson. He was named to the AP All-America team. So anytime you have a player like that of that caliber, you know, that's certainly going to help your cause and going to be, you know, you always want a guy like that on, on your side. And you, know, you mentioned Marcus Page, some of these, you know, tough, tough senior guards that they have there. So um, I like North Carolina a lot. I think they're going to be the team maybe that, you know, does advance. I think, they, I think they will beat Syracuse. And um, I, for me, you know, I like to see them play Oklahoma. So let's touch on the on the next game. Oklahoma is going to play Villanova. So what do you see in that game? Well, it's a matchup of two very different kind of teams. Obviously, Oklahoma comes out and they try and beat you by scoring a ton of points. Villanova and their defense—that's been the way that they've won games. That's how they beat Miami with good defense. That, that's how they've won all tournament. I guess we'll first we'll start off with Oklahoma because they have one of the most impressive scorers right now in college basketball. Buddy Heels, he's just been phenomenal all season. Last game that he had, he dropped 37 points to put them into the Final Four. So this Oklahoma team, led by Heald, they have other talented players. Jordan Woodard, Isaiah Cousins is on the team, Ryan Spangler. All these guys can shoot threes. They were like third in the NCAA, and their three-point percentage shot around 42% on the season. So if they're knocking down threes, it's going to make it very tough for Villanova in that defense. Yeah, and you touch on the three-point percentage for them. Um, they're shooting, you said, 42% during the season. So Oklahoma's a team that, you know, they, they rely on that three-pointer. And anytime you have a player like Buddy Heald, who was also voted to the AP All-America team, you know, that's definitely going to help out. And, you know, what Buddy Heald's been doing this entire, you know, tournament, he's also improved his, his draft status and you know, coming out this year. You know, people say that, you know, he's a senior. So is it, is, is it a case of where he's playing against all these younger kids, maybe aren't as strong or aren't as ready as he is but you know you, you saw with other players in the past and it, it's proven that it does translate so I think you know Buddy Heald you know is going to be a great you know pro prospect but for this tournament and for this game coming up I think Buddy Heald is, is the key for Oklahoma for if he has a good game which he most likely will because he's just been incredible I think that'll definitely help them in their uh, against Villanova and someone else to keep an eye on for Oklahoma just a freshman but Christian James he had a good big 12 tournament he came into the NCAA tournament, had a good uh, two games ago. He had 12 points when they took on Texas A&M. He's probably the guy that's set to replace Buddy Heald, and he looks very talented in his own right. So when he gets a chance to play, watch out for him. Then you turn things over, you look at Villanova, a team that's led by by their senior guard, Ryan Archie Diacono, a guy that Jay Wright has said he doesn't even need to talk to. They know what they're thinking. They, they have everything designed. They know what they're going to do play after play. Besides of Ryan Archie Diacono, Josh Hart leads the team in points, scoring about 15 points a game. And Chris Jenkins, who just killed Miami with some huge threes, scores just over 13.5 points a game. So those two guys really, really have to watch out for if you're Oklahoma. Yeah, like you said, if you're Oklahoma, you know, I think the guy like we all have talked about is, is, is Archie Diacono, and you have to really watch out for him. He's the key to that team along with Josh Hart. So um, I think that, you know, Oklahoma and that, you know, that, that top defense there is going to really pay attention to what anywhere that Archie Diacono really goes. They're going to try and, you know, force him off screens and really make things tough for him, be very physical with him and, uh, you know, treat him like, you know, like, you know, other teams and like the effects, let's say the NBA do with Steph Curry. You know, you want to chase him off the screens, be physical with him and, and be up and tight with him. So 
I see Oklahoma advancing in this game. I think they are going to be Villanova, and I'm going to get what I what hopefully what I what I've been you know hoping for with uh, North Carolina and Oklahoma, and then in the uh, finals. So then that'll be Monday night. So we'll we'll see what happens. But um, that's my pick. I don't know about you. I'm going to take Oklahoma in this game. I usually like defense over offense, but I think when you have an NBA caliber scorer on a team like Oklahoma does and Buddy Heald. I'll ride with them. Villanova hasn't allowed more than 70 points in their last seven games. Oklahoma comes in averaging more than 80. Something's going to have to give there. I'll take Oklahoma. I like them from the beginning. I never really trusted Villanova. And just for some reason, it's just because they always seem to lose tournament time. Jay Wright, this year they proved me wrong because I had them losing to Miami in the last round. But either Or two rounds ago, should I say. But either way, I'll take Oklahoma to win this one. Yeah, so I think we both agree there. Um, I think that's going to do it for today for the show. But uh, just a quick note to everyone that we are now on iTunes. You can now find us there. You just got to go on, you know, search in the the box on iTunes there for the Under Review Podcast. You'll see it. It'll come up. Um, We're working on getting a new show logo, so look out for that soon. And uh, we hope everyone enjoyed uh, this week's version of the Under Review Podcast. Um, Leo, that's Hack. Thanks for joining us this week.